AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Hello and welcome to the MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast. I am your host, Gary Gramling. He is Andy Benoit here to co-host with me. And uh, we are later in the week going to preview some week one games and and get into some of that stuff. But we're actually just going to spend this show sort of reviewing some of the action the past couple of days. Lots of uh, uh, of stuff to talk about, whether it be Jadavian Clowney finally finding a home or uh, the Bears settling on a starting quarterback or some of these guys who got traded, surprise cuts, etc., etc. It was a busy Labor Day weekend in the NFL. Always is. I love it. I know when I was a kid, one of my favorite things was to look at the box score that listed all the cuts in the league. It'd be in this tiny little print, you know, Cardinals and there's here's 30 names crammed together in two inches of space and I go through and read all of those over Labor Day weekend because that's always when that stuff got announced you do it differently now but I'm always interested in who and I don't know all the you know the guys that everybody knew was going to get cut that's one thing but the guys that are on the fringe or guys we know I'm always interested in who becomes available that is agate type by the way Andy the font so style you know. 
Yeah, the, the the little the little font agate type. That was okay. my that was my first job in journalism. I was an agate guy. Oh, were you? That was my first job too. And I was in high school, and I did it for the local sports, like the volleyball scores or the basketball scores. So I must have been doing it in spring. Uh, it was fall because I remember I was missing World Series games some of the nights, and uh, that's why I quit. I was missing too many World Series games. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I was say. I'm not kidding. I, I also I also like the fact that you were doing it in high school, where uh, whereas that was my first professional job, uh, coming off a six figure uh, tuition bill at, well, uh, at a private university. So. I lasted all of six weeks. <laughs> that's that's you're still an agate man. Once you do one day. You're in the club. Yeah, you, you got the you tattoo, do get right? the sense that one you do it once, you kind of have the feel for what it is. You do get that yeah. sense about it. And you got the tattoo, the very small tattoo, right? No, I did not. Oh, thank you well, though. Maybe maybe I can't let you in the club then. Uh, let's get to it though. Let's uh, let's start with Jadamian Clowney. We wondered all off season where was he going to land? It is the Tennessee Titans. There were some interesting uh, scenarios thrown out there. The Jaguars almost got uh, involved in a sign-and-trade situation, which, I don't know, I mean, I don't know if he can continue to make such a farce of team building. I guess the NFL stepped in. They were going to sign-and-trade him to the Saints because the Saints really can't afford to sign anyone with their cap situation right now. But uh, he ends up signing with the Titans' one-year deal. Let's talk about that, Andy. How does Clowney fit in this defense, uh, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, during the AFC South preview show, this this uh, this front now has, you know, Jeffrey Simmons is looking to take a big step up. Uh, they add Vic Beasley. How does Clowney fit in now? He fits in really, really well. And we know that because we've seen him in this system before under Mike Vrabel and, and Houston. And the defining characteristic of Clowney's role when he was a Texan, and I'm, I'm 99.9% sure that's what he's going to do in Tennessee, it was he's the stand-up joker, move-around kind of guy as an interior pass rusher out of dime or out of obvious pass situations. So Tennessee, they played a lot of 3-2 dime last year, so 3-D linemen, two linebackers. I don't know if they'll go to 4-1 now with Clowney considered a D lineman if they want to do it that way. I would guess they'll stick with the 3-2 because they like to drop their linebackers into coverage and go eight-man coverages. And so if you got two of those linebackers on the field, it's obviously a, a more athletic coverage on the back end. That's the one thing Clowney will not do very well is drop into coverage, so they're not going to ask him to do that a whole lot. Whatever it is, whoever else is on the field with Clowney, he's here to be a stand-up interior rusher in obvious pass situations. He'll get snaps off the edge at times, I'm sure. He'll probably play in their base off the edge. He should because he's a, a destructive run defender. But what you're paying him for is what you're paying most defensive guys for, what he can do in past situations. And I, I, I'm, I'm glad for him that he's in this spot because he is very good rushing inside out of a two-point stance. Yeah, I was going to say, obviously, he reunites with Mike Vrabel. They were together in Houston for a little while. Is this a better fit for Clowney than, than say, Seattle? Yes, absolutely. Because in Seattle's scheme, that's a very traditional four-down front that they run a lot of the time. And usually your defensive end is going to be asked to bend the edge and win one-on-one outside. Now you can scheme some stuff for him and have him loop around inside. But to be a maximized player in a 4-3 as a defensive end, you have to win one-on-one outside 
against tackles. And that's really not Clowney's forte. He is not an edge bender. He's not a sacks guy. I don't think he's ever had double-digit sack numbers. He is a monster against the run off the edge. And he's a good enough player off the edge as a pass rusher. But he's special as he gets. The closer to the center he gets, pre-snap or post-snap, the better he gets. Let's look at it that way. He's a special player when he's attacking inside, whether he's lining up there or crashing down there off the edge. Clowney's a guy that he throws bodies around inside. And let's uh, let's talk one more guy who uh, I left off the outline, by the way. So I'm about to throw you a curveball here. I hope you're ready for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't talked about Logan Ryan landing with the Giants. Obviously, he was a Titan. Um, we were kind of baffled as to why he was unsigned for so long. He ends up with the Giants. Uh, what uh, what do you see as Ryan's role going forward at this point? Well, and you know his. We've talked on the podcast, I'm sure, several times, you know, why is Logan Ryan unsigned? And the reason why is the obvious one, which was that his price was too high, and he wasn't budging from his asking price, it sounds like. So he wanted $10 million a year, which I don't think is unrealistic for him. Um, he came down to, I think it was, what, seven and a half ultimately, that he got from the Giants, most likely, is what he'll mm-hmm. wind up getting. So once he did that, he became very attractive to teams, and the Giants got him, and that's a great fit. You know, he's going to be listed as a safety probably by a lot of people. I don't know. The Giants need help at cornerback, and they need a slot corner, among other things. And especially if Xavier McKinney's not in the equation now due to injury, their second-round rookie, just too bad for him. But, you know, like I'm looking at a depth chart now that has Logan Ryan as a free safety. He could certainly do that. He's not done that a lot in his career I think he's ultimately going to wind up in the slot because Julian Love's a good player. Their fourth-round rookie a year ago, Love is a classic free safety type of guy. He played the slot, too, a few times, if I recall, but his long-term transition to the NFL is going to involve the safety, the free safety position. Jabril Peppers is obviously the strong safety. They can maybe interchange him a little bit, move him around. They need a slot corner, Gary, and that's where you're going to play Ryan where you need him. They're ultimately going to try, because they're so flexible, they're going to get their best five defensive backs on the field and then figure out where to play them from there, and, and that's that's ultimately going to wind up with Ryan in the slot. Whether he starts out there or not, he's going to become their slot corner. Yeah, uh, Xavier McKinney, who who went down, uh, look, we didn't see how they were going to use him, and he is a versatile guy, but uh, his strength really was playing over the slot at Alabama, so it's it's something of a, I don't know, it seems like a, an obvious fill here. Yeah, it could be. It's, uh, at some point, you get into what kind of coverage are you playing, because man and zone become very different for those slot corners sometimes, and... Logan Ryan can do either of them, which is another reason he's going to wind up being that guy down there. All right, let's uh, let's talk some quarterbacks here. People like to hear about quarterbacks. Mild surprise in Chicago. Mitchell Trubisky retains the starting job going into the season here. Obviously, they had gone and gotten Nick Foles, and you know the the big deal was they traded a draft pick for Foles because Foles is familiar with Matt Nagy's system and Foles could conceivably come in during a weird offseason and uh, and sort of hit the ground running and take the job from Trubisky. It does not happen. Trubisky is QB1 in Chicago going into the year. Uh, we've talked on the show a little bit. I mean, look, I, I, uh, 
I led the charge uh, against sort of criticizing Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, I, I branded him Bortles North in October of 2018, and I will uh, I will say right now, it, it's still too early to give up on him. I mean, it, I, I'm not saying he's definitely going to turn around, but we have seen quarterbacks struggle badly in their first two or three seasons, and then uh, then really, the, you know, the, the switch just kind of flips at this point. But uh, my question for you, Andy, is what kind of offense do you want to see Trubisky running this year? The kind of offense they've been trying to run with him before and just have it expand. Where he needs to get better is in reading the field after the snap. He, he just needs to become a little bit quicker there and probably a little more confident. I don't know about his confidence. I'm not going to try to get inside his head. But it appears from the outside maybe become a little more confident and decisive. And I think he's got that in him. I'm, I'm optimistic for Mitchell Trubisky. I, I, we talked, I, what was it, a couple weeks ago where he needs to be using his legs as a prominent part of how they play. So that's on Matt Nagy to design some some pocket movement for Trubisky. I do think read option would be a viable element to their run game with him. You're not going to run him 10 or 12 times a game. You're not going to even call three or four times for him to keep the ball, but you want to have that kind of responsibility and threat and stored upon him. You want to make defenses have to guard Mitchell Trubisky like that. To confine him to the pocket, that's the hardest way to play with Mitchell Trubisky. It's hardest for everybody. I'm not saying he can't do it, but that's the steepest uphill way to play with him. So I would imagine we're going to see a more mobile Trubisky this season because when you've got your job on the line, and he's, he's won the job now, but if he plays shaky, it's going to restart the whole conversation about Nick Foles. So he's still playing for his job, Trubisky is. When that's the case, you're going to do what you do best. And last year, for whatever reason, it felt like he was making a conscious decision to not run. And maybe it was health-related with his shoulder or whatever it was. I think we're going to see him use his legs a lot more. All right, let's uh, let's stay at quarterback. Another first-round disappointment thus far. Uh, Josh Rosen joins his third team. Josh Rosen already has more teams in his career than, than Tom Brady does in Tampa. Uh, Rosen joins the Bucks practice squad. And, and look, he's highly unlikely to make an impact in, in 2020 if he does see the field. Something has gone very wrong in Tampa as far as injuries go. But let's just let's just talk theoretically. One, what do you think Rosen is at this point? And two, if Rosen were to get a shot in a Bruce Arians offense in two or three years, do you think that uh, that is something that might work? Well, I, you know, let's keep in mind, what we've seen from Rosen on film is not overly negative it's it's certainly not inspiring but I remember his first few games as a cardinal his his precision accuracy and aggressiveness at the intermediate levels which is a key trait in a Bruce Arian scheme is for throwers is pushing the ball downfield at the intermediate levels so timing and rhythm throws that are deeper you know, Rosen was very impressive in some of those throws. He was very inconsistent, and ultimately his first few games were his best games, which is not a good sign for anybody. But it's not like Josh Rosen has has totally just vomited all over his career, and that's what he gets. I mean, he's been in some unusual situations, and they weren't friendly situations to our quarterback's development. And to say, you know, ultimately he, he needs to take – he needs to capitalize more on what opportunity is there. So – I wouldn't rule him out. I, at this point, he's probably a journeyman backup is what his forecast would be. But there's not – It's <laughs> have we ever seen a quarterback in this kind of scenario, Gary, where he just was a what, top 10 pick, trades teams the first few years kind of by circumstances not to, related directly to him, and 
and now here he is on his third team on a practice squad. It, on the surface, it looks like he can't play. If you just looked at his travel history in the league and his waiver wire pickups and all that, you say he can't play. But on film, it's shown he can play. He needs to play better, more consistently. And then it's a matter of does he get the opportunity. Yeah. I can't really remember a guy uh, sans, you know, injury or, you know, if, if you throw Johnny Manziel in there, obviously he had other issues that uh, that led to his flaming out. But uh, we've seen Rosen out there, bad supporting cast in Arizona, bad supporting cast in Miami. But the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick did have a level of success after taking over for him in Miami certainly yeah. doesn't doesn't yeah. bode well here. Well, and the the thing we're always saying, and we need to apply it here, because I, I, I've been a Josh Rosen fan. I like his style of play. I liked his approach coming out of at UCLA. It looked like a quarterback that would fit a lot of systems. So I'm probably, I'm not saying I'm a Josh Rosen guy. I don't really get into it that to that level with anybody, but I, I need to be fair and say the same thing that we say about other players, which is the coaches who are with them every day know them best. And right now, Every coach has been with Josh Rosen. It's not a ton, but his coaches have, have traded him away twice now. He's onto his third team. So coaches still tell you how they feel by what they do with their players, mm-hmm. and no one's done a whole lot with Rosen. So I don't know what he's like on a day-to-day basis, how he is in the film room, what he looks like on the practice field. We're not privy to all that. I just know that there were really encouraging glimmers early in his Cardinals career, and he's a former top-10 pick. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton, you know, watch Creighton. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shane and the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not, gonna, the, not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team that cool. like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? You see the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, it's Rich Davis from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance or any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew could stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you could sit back and enjoy the wide open views with the whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter what your style, you could drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, 
6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. We will stay in Tampa with uh, with another. Uh, Rosen wasn't top 10. He was uh, he was top half of the first round. Did he fall Potential out of the top, top 10? 10? What was his he number? He did. What, what did he go, 12 or 13 that year? Okay. Something that's, like you'd that, be, yeah. You'd be good on Twitter. That's a, that's, that's a great thing you just did. I would, no, I you're, would you're quote right. tweet you. I would quote tweet you and, and just rip you. No, sorry, he was 10th. Oh. Uh, you see that? I would have quote tweeted you, and then you would have quote tweeted me, and uh i would have been i would have been owned i would have screenshot it and written a special article it would have gone in the uh the churn as they call it oh man that would have hurt yeah i i'm glad uh i'm glad we're not on twitter right now but uh okay my transition worked then uh let's stay with another top 10 pick joining the bucks here uh the bucks (laughs) the bucks just added a lot of running backs this offseason uh they they drafted Keyshawn vaughn day two they brought in LaShawn mccoy and uh and now they have signed leonard fournette uh the jaguars wanted to trade fournette couldn't trade him end up waving him I really don't know. Uh, people are really getting excited over Fournette joining the box, and I, I think Fournette is an NFL caliber player. I, I think there's a role for him here, but um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm particularly excited about <laughs> about Leonard Fournette going forward. I mean, what he, he's kind of like? I, I, is he like Sony Michelle here in Tampa now? Yeah, maybe he might be Sony Michelle. Um, with Fournette, you always have to wonder. Is he going to finish his runs to the best of his ability? Because when he does, you can kind of see, oh, I, you know, I, that's why he was so highly touted coming out of LSU. There are times where he doesn't finish his runs, and in that case, he's just kind of a slow running back. So Fournette on his good days, slow is probably too hard of a word, but he's just a spectacularly unspecial running back when he's playing passively and some of that's been injuries in the past but um some of his slow days you know the, i just don't know where he's going to play in this rotation to be honest Gary, because i think ronald jones is still probably he's certainly the more dynamic runner i i don't know how much the bucks will trust him with everything some of their mm-hmm. previous staffs and this one last year i got the sense they didn't fully trust him in all situations um having a veteran like Brady out in the field it's it's going to be easier for the running back just because the music the communication is going to be different but Ronald Jones is their most dynamic back and then I don't know about Kashawn Vaughn 
I'm guessing he's probably their second most dynamic back athletically. And so now we're talking Fournette versus LaShawn McCoy. That doesn't mean Fournette's not going to play a lot of the snaps still. So, I don't yeah. know. Bruce Arians does run between the tackles a lot. That's that's mm-hmm. their run game. So, Fournette at least does fit that stylistically. He fits that. And, look, it, 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 there's been injury and durability issues his first three years in the league. And you just kind of wonder, I don't know, it's the, in a limited role. If he's going to get uh, 8 to 10 carries a game instead of uh, an 8 to 10 might even be uh, skewing on the high side there. Uh but, you know, if he's not getting asked to, you know, take 20 touches every week and, and do it that way, maybe maybe you get a little more bang for your buck here. Yeah, if he can be a sustaining back, that's his value. I, I'm reminded of the LeGarrette Blunt lessons from years ago where I looked at LeGarrette Blunt on film and thought, quite, quite frankly, as cases where I think he looks terrible. I mean, he's not elusive, obviously. He really was not a power runner, even though he was built like that. He, he ran upright at times and did not deliver a blow. And, and that was kind of what he looked like on film for a lot of years. At the end of his career, LeGarrette Blunt was a tremendous, sustaining, puzzle piece type of back for a number of different teams. So he's one that might look ugly and get good yardage still, which is better than a guy that looks pretty and gets poor yardage. Uh, if for, you know, So I, I need to probably just pump the brakes a little bit on, uh, I don't know what Fournette is, because I used to say the th- same thing about LeGarrette Blunt. It can work in the right setup and the right system. Now, Blunt and Fournette stylistically are a little bit different. For Blunt had this deceptive, slow-developing change of direction where it looked poor on film, but it was still hard to tackle. You know, Fournette doesn't quite have that, but um, maybe that's a good thing. Fournette's a little bit more... Fournette has better balance than, than Blunt did as a runner. Okay. All right. Let's uh, let's stay in the backfield here. Another uh, expatriates connection to a former star running back, although this guy was more of a star in the NFL than Fournette ever was. Uh, Adrian Peterson let go in Washington. Kind of a surprise after uh, Darius Geis, uh, you know, he, he's gone because of his scumbaggery, and it just sort of seemed like, okay, Washington's just going to ride Adrian Peterson a lot this year. They uh, they move on from Peterson. They'll go with some combination of, I guess, Antonio Gibson and, uh, and Bryce Love, a couple of unknowns there. But uh, Peterson ends up landing in Detroit where, you know, there's another team that has invested in the running back position over over the past couple of years here. They, they have on Johnson. DeAndre Swift has been slowed by injuries in his first training camp, so maybe they just are not sure what they're getting here. But uh, I don't know. With what Daryl Bevel did with his offense last year, uh, is there a – certainly not a, a full-time role, but is there is there a healthy chunk of, uh, of action here for Adrian Peterson? Adrian Peterson can still play. If you didn't know who he was and you just watched him on film, you'd say that's one of the 10 best running backs in the NFL. That guy can make people miss. He has lateral agility within confined areas, which is a really tough trait to find in backs. He finishes his runs well still. So I was surprised Washington cut him. My guess would be that, that Washington plans on doing a lot of shotgun formationing, which is what uh, Scott Turner has done as a coordinator before, or at least as a, as a quarterbacks coach, he's been around that kind of approach. He had Cam Newton in Carolina, so that's, you know, Newton's, you're going to play that way with Newton a little bit more than other guys, but I wonder if they're just playing on having Haskins in the shotgun a lot. Peterson's ne- never been a great shotgun runner. He is a better 
under center runner because he likes to have that downhill momentum as he receives the ball. He's not a stop-start, standstill type of guy. So that's the Washington solution. As far as what Peterson will do in Detroit, I think they will go under center a little bit more with him, and he will get to operate and do the type of runs that he likes. And I'll be interested to see how it plays out. They got some options now at running back in Detroit there. They do. Karrion Johnson, DeAndre Swift looked like he was, you know, maybe maybe preparing for more of a, a multi-purpose type of role in that offense, and we just don't know what, what he is right now. I mean, he's, he's probably going to be uh, limited early in the season anyway because he's had such limited work in training camp. But uh, The Lions have been down to their third or fourth string runner a lot in the recent years due to injuries to different guys, so you wonder if that ever factors in. A, should that factor in because now's a new year and everybody's healthy, but these guys, some like carry on Johnson or Ty Johnson, they've got some history of injuries, and so – you know, B, does that factor into why maybe they want to invest in extra depth at the position? Yeah, it's just it's just kind of disappointing because, I mean, this is going back to, uh, you know, Martin Mayhew uh, era in Detroit. They have used so many day two picks on running backs, and they just they haven't worked out. Going back to, like, job at best stuff. I mean, job yeah. at best was injury, but, you know, Michael LaShore and uh, uh, Amir Abdullah, and, you know, you wonder if, if Kerryon Johnson is going to, uh, just not be durable enough to to carry that kind of role going forward here. But, uh, yeah, Kevin Smith, another guy, day two guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. They've tried a lot of them. Still uh, still looking for an answer there in Detroit. Yeah. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk safeties here. One of the surprise moves of the weekend, Dallas waves a ha-ha Clinton Dix. So no Clinton Dix at safety. We thought it was a problem spot going into the offseason. Maybe Clinton Dix addressed that a little bit. Uh, he's not going to get the chance to. So uh, he's out. Sounds like Darian Thompson is going to basically be play- playing the role that we thought Clinton Dix was going to be playing. Uh, so sort of a two-part question. Clinton Dix, are you surprised he's out? Do you think he's still useful elsewhere? Do you think he's a, a you know he'll, he'll land somewhere, but is he, is he a starting caliber guy elsewhere? And uh, do you have any thoughts on Darian Thompson at this point? Thompson did get better last season, and they used him down in the box at times and as a design blitzer, and he flashed here and there. I remember he had some plays in the Bears game that stood out positively at Thursday night Bears game. I think that was the Mm -hmm. week after Thanksgiving. Um, So I imagine that's the role they wanted for HaHa Clinton Dix because Clinton Dix fits that athletic profile. Long-bodied guy, thick, athletically explosive and Thompson, I bet Thompson didn't necessarily beat him out in terms of just pure blitz ability. But with Thompson being a little better there, then they probably just trusted him more with other elements of the coverage and other elements of the defense. You know, that's the story with Clinton Dix. That's a lot of talent to be out of the league, though, right now, Gary. I mean, Clinton Dix is, is one of the 50 most talented safeties in the league for sure which means he's a starting caliber safety. So then the question is, why is he not on? Why is he not stuck around? Green Bay didn't keep him. They had invested a lot in him. Chicago didn't. Dallas didn't. And the natural inclination would be to say that all oh, the guy probably doesn't know what he's doing out there. And I think there were times where Clinton Dix did look like he was a little less disciplined than other players. But if he didn't know what he was doing out there, he would not have played as many games. I mean, how many career starts does Clinton Dix have? He's probably, I bet he's got 60 plus. So 
I don't know why he's available, but someone's going to take a flyer on him. And I think a big question you'd have to ask for HaHa Clinton Dix, he's got 90-plus starts I'm seeing. He's mm-hmm. 90 starts out of 96 career games. A question that you'd have to ask with HaHa Clinton Dix is, could he play linebacker? Could it be a dime linebacker type of guy? He certainly has the build for it. It's a different type of field vision when you do that. He's he's often played back deep in his career. I mean, he had more snaps at free safety or those kind of duties as a Packer than you would have guessed that he would have had. So I don't know if he has the field vision to play down closer to the box. If he does, though, he'll be a really valuable player for someone if he can develop into – I'm thinking like an Adrian Phillips kind of guy, only he'd he'd be a little bit bigger. Yeah, and look, he'll land somewhere. It really seems like there are a lot of teams out there looking for safety help right now. One of them had been the Browns, might still be the Browns. Uh, You know, they lost a a day two pick. Uh, Grant Delpit was probably going to have a rookie year impact. He goes down for the year. So they go out and they get Ronnie Harrison from Jacksonville, a, a former day two pick for the Jaguars as they sort of do whatever they're doing down in Jacksonville. But um, Ronnie Harrison, I mean, so you got Carl Joseph there in Cleveland. You got Andrew Sandejo. Uh, is Harrison looking at more of a, a number three safety type of role? Does, does he push Sandejo uh, into that role and, and end up becoming a starter in this in this lineup? Well, I remember Ronnie Harrison a few years ago played the slot on first and second down for Jacksonville. They played a big nickel, and Harrison was basically an, a, a run defender who would be extended out of the box at times. I bet you that's a big reason why Cleveland went out and got him, because the Browns are just razor thin at the linebacker spot. They don't. They kind of have an idea what they have because they're practicing with these guys, but none of mm-hmm. these guys, you know, Sion Takitaki, third-round pick last year, Jacob Phillips, third-round rookie this year, we just haven't seen enough of them in live game action to really know what they are. So with Mac Wilson out for a bit, that's, that's a problem for Cleveland. So they're probably going to play with three safeties in their past situations. Even if it's second and eight, I wouldn't be surprised that the Browns go with their dime defense and have just one linebacker and three safeties on the field. So having a guy like Harrison who's been down in that position before, there's your third safety. The guy, the, the role we just talked about for Clinton Dix, I bet the Browns feel that Harrison can feel that uh, uh, fill that role. If he can't, Andrew Sandejo did do that a little bit last season for, for Philadelphia. So Harrison would would then be back in a traditional strong safety spot or somewhere around there. So I, I don't know what it is, but the Browns needed options here, and they need options at both spots, linebacker and safety. So they just traded for a guy who can theoretically do either of those. Okay. And let's uh, let's wrap it up. I guess this was, I don't know, to me it kind of felt like a, a theme of the weekend, sort of uh, avoiding the sunk cost fallacy. Uh, the Patriots end up waiving Mohamed Sanu. And, and look, we've talked about this Patriots receiving core uh, ad nauseum for the past uh, 18 months or so, and it's, it's not good. And they traded the second-round pick for Sanu at last year's trade deadline. He does not make it a full calendar year with the team. He had some ankle problems, but, uh, uh, you know, you look at what they have here. It's, you know, Julian Edelman, and then after him, you got Enkeel Harry. You hope he he uh, sort of breaks out here. And after that, it's, uh, you know, Jacoby Myers. It's, uh, uh, I mean, there's just not a whole lot about going it. on yeah. here with this receiving core. Yeah, Demir Bird from Arizona will probably be the number four wide receiver. Um, I, I was just really surprised when they traded for Sanu in the first place, given what they gave up for him. 
but because it's Bill Belichick, you know, you're nervous. Think, oh, what's he seeing that I'm not seeing? And I'm not surprised that Sanu's gone now. Sanu just doesn't. He's a Sanu has had a tremendous career. He is a good professional football player. He just does not run particularly well, and he's not particularly quick. So now he's a certain type of receiver, which means he doesn't fit everything in every team the same way. And obviously, New England felt he didn't fit great here. So it's it's not a, a negative on Sanu so much. The fact that he's been as successful as he has with with some of his limitations as a runner is, is quite remarkable. And I think there'll be another team that'll take a chance on him for that reason. But there are some things that he just does not do super well, and he's it's not going to help as he gets older. And New England obviously wanted him to do some of those things, it sounds like. Does this spell out anything for you as far as what the Patriots are going to do offensively? Bill Belichick won't say who his starting quarterback is. I think everyone's assuming it will be Cam Newton at this point. Does the fact that they're so thin at receiver, and and obviously we know they drafted a couple of tight ends day two, does that sort of you know say, okay, we're probably looking at a, a very run-heavy, tight end-heavy type of offense here? It could. It very well could. I think that'd be a great way to play with Cam Newton because I, I do think what Bill Belichick understands right now, it's a passing league. The NFL is set up to be a passing league. Therefore, the defenses are set up to stop the pass. We, how many times have we talked about three safeties on the field right now in this podcast alone? So the teams that can run the ball effectively and uniquely, there's a real market inefficiency there for how to stop them. You're running the ball against pass-defending oriented teams, teams that are built to stop the pass. So look at last year who was dominant in the NFL. The Ravens had the best rushing attack in history for on paper and, and really on film as well. They were a great rushing attack. Went 14-2. and two. Tennessee had Derrick Henry in a great outside zone game. They reached the championship. San Francisco had probably the best all-around run game in the NFL. And, and certainly if you incorporate your pass concepts into the run game, they had a tremendous rushing attack. And they went to the Super Bowl. So the teams that, that got the furthest last year were the ones that were running the ball the most uniquely and, and aggressively and consistently. And I bet you Bill Belichick sees that. And realizes it's been a weird offseason, so it's reasons that most defenses are going to be similar to what they were last year. They certainly haven't gotten together and practiced more run defense tactics as a unit yet. Let's let's see if we can sneak one out here, just become a run-heavy team, and catch the NFL in one more year where the defenses are still flat-footed here. And Cam Newton gives you a lot of dimension in the run game. And Josh McDaniels has coached guys like that before when he had Jacoby Brissett and when he had Tim Tebow. So they probably know how to do it better than you would guess schematically in New England. Yeah, I know we talked about this offense a lot, but I, you know, I just want to say again, it's like I don't want to say Cam is better than Tom Brady. If if they could have kept Tom Brady, they would have kept Tom Brady. But um, what we saw in the second half of last year from this offense, uh, to think that they were going to try and go forward with that and, you know, a Jarrett Stidham or a Brian Hoyer under center, uh, I, I just, I, I didn't see any reason for optimism with what that offense was going to be in 2020, but you bring in Cam and, and, you know, at the very least you can have an offensive identity and it's something that will probably be at least somewhat effective. I agree with you. And I, they couldn't win. Uh, they couldn't win with their wide receivers one on one last year, which really can limit and hinder you in a lot of ways. So your point about having multiple tight ends on the field, and I'm sure these guys will be, you know, their third round rookie tight ends. Devin, is it Asiasi? Is that how he pronounces it? 
I think it's Asi Asi. We'll learn. We'll we'll learn in a week, and then we'll be embarrassed that we never, mm-hmm. you know, we ever didn't know it. But and then Dal- <laughs> Dalton Keene, the other third rounder, you know, those they'll probably be critical players, and if those guys are interchangeable, that's the best of that's the best case scenario for New England. And remember, they still have a lot of running backs there, and James White and Rex Burkhead are both quality receiving backs. So that's where the passing game will come from is with those guys and more defined reads. And I bet you we'll see some of that stuff off of read options as well. All right. Andy, we will be back later this week. We'll preview some of this week one action coming up, but that's uh, that's going to be a wrap for this one. All right. Thank you, Gary. The MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast is me, Gary Gramling. Special thanks to Andy Benoit for joining me this week. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. New daddy, Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is director of editorial projects and product. Mark Mravik is emeritus editor of the MMQB. Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. Keep up with our entire lineup of podcasts five days a week by subscribing to the MMQB NFL Podcast for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, Please do us a favor and leave a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. From football playoffs to basketball madness, 
TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com.